even when I'm in the band, sometimes I'm so caught up in the melody and the feeling of a song, I'm not really taking all the words in and the message of the song. So I'm going to invite you today, during our songs, to really think of the words and to relate them to you and to your life. And I think you'll find you get an extra kick of an experience doing it that way. Today's the first Sunday of Lent. And so I ask God that you may be renewed and blessed as we worship God together in this special season. Would you stand as we begin worship today? Let's say the words together, shall we? We begin our time together today in the name of God, our amazing Father, Jesus, the Son, our loving Saviour, the Holy Spirit, our helper and encourager. Amen. Stay standing, please, because I've got a couple of Bible texts to share with you before we sing our first song. I call them Gems from the Word, all about the light that comes from Jesus. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That's Jesus speaking. And another one, Peter, uh, Paul speaking, I pray that your house will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. And again, Paul speaks in Ephesians, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask think. As we sing this song, take note of those words as they come out in the lyrics of the song. Here we go. Live in the light.
Take your seats, everybody. I want to talk about a very popular topic today. Jigsaw puzzling. Who likes doing jigsaw puzzles? Come on, put your hands up. I know a few that spend hours and hours. What a wonderful challenge it is. I keep on hearing stories of people doing jigsaw puzzles and the challenges. The victories and the defeats. But I want to share a couple of stories in particular about a couple of people I know. This is the tale of Rick. Now Rick's a guy about my age, of English origin, a real pom. He's a lovely bloke and he loves jigsaw puzzles. He spends so much time on them. But he has achieved something I don't believe anyone else here has achieved. He has put together an 18,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. Over two years, let's see the puzzle. There it is. It's a massive bookcase. I think it's about 12 feet across and about 10 feet vertically. He spent two years, but he got it all completed. And he thought, I'm not pulling that apart. I'm going to get it framed. So Rick organised with a framer to get it framed. Then he took it in pieces in his car down to the framer, got it all framed. And of course, when it was framed, it was a fairly large piece of jigsaw art. (coughs) And the framer said, well, how are you going to get back to your house? Oh, I'll put it on the roof of the car. No way. It'll flex too much. You know what he had to do? He had to hire a truck. That truck was full to that level. Nothing else in the truck. He hired the truck for, you know, the day and he got the jigsaw puzzle home. That's now proudly on his wall in his passage for all to see and admire. Okay. Here's the tale of Barry. Barry's a brother-in-law of mine, married to Helene's sister, and he loves jigsaw puzzles like many of you do. We have a shared holiday, family holiday house over in York Peninsula and every time Barry's there, the moment he walks in, it's the jigsaw puzzle. Pieces get strewn about on a couple of card tables and he gets to work. And he um, doesn't spend all his time there doing jigsaw puzzling but uh, plenty of hours are spent and it's a challenge for him to get it finished before he leaves. 
One funny story, he was tackling this jigsaw puzzle. Only 500 pieces, so not too much of a challenge. But what happened when he got near the end? One piece missing. Now, Barry doesn't have much hair, but whatever he had left, he was tearing out in frustration. Where could that piece be? Everyone went right through that house, right through every piece of furniture, under the furniture, could not be found. Change of scene. About two weeks later, in another house in the Barossa Valley, Barry's brother-in-law takes off his shorts. They go into the wash. Elaine's sister says, what's this in the pocket? It's a jigsaw puzzle piece. Wow, it looks like a bird's face. And the jigsaw puzzle piece was returned to Barry. Can you imagine the celebration? Barry finally got it finished. Because if you're a jigsaw puzzler, you don't want to not have it finished. Doesn't it look so much better when every piece is in its place? He was a happy man. Celebration in the house. Thanks, Julie. So what do Rick and Barry have in common? Okay, let's have a look at it. Number one, they have a passion for puzzles. Number two, they have an unbridled determination and willingness to never give up until the puzzle is complete. Sure some of you are relating to this. And thirdly, joy and celebration at finding every single piece and placing it where it belongs. Ah, what a good feeling. All done, finished. I think I'll take a break for a while. Or some people, though, get on with the next one straight away, don't they? Anyway, now to some parables of Jesus. Jesus told three particular parables that were about the lost, finding the lost. I'm going to get Georgie, if she's available. <laughs> to read out the parable of the lost sheep. I'm sure you're familiar with these parables, but I want you to, as you're hearing them, think about how you can reflect in your life on the meaning of the parable. Thanks, Georgie. So these are in Luke 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Well, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Thanks, Georgie. Now I'm going to get Helene to read a second parable of Jesus, the parable of the lost coin. 
This Bible reading comes from Luke 15, verse 8 to 10. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbours and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Can you see yourself in these parables? You know, if we're truly honest, we have to admit, every one of us, that we sometimes lose our way in life. We lose our intimate connection with God. We're dragged down by the cares and temptations of the world and consumed and overwhelmed by the things that confront us and even threaten us. We stray from living the life that God wants us to live and that we know we ought to be living. We become lazy, selfish and fail to do the good that we know we ought to be doing, that God wants us to do. We let others down and we hurt the people around us. We fall back into old habits, bad habits that draw us away from God. And we fail to spend time with God and listen to and read his word and, and spend time with him in prayer. It can all relate to this. And yet we all know that despite this, because of all this and through all this, Jesus desperately seeks us out and draws us back into his safe arms and the peace and blessings of life with him. And heaven rejoices when we're found and we return to him. This next song is one that you can stay seated for. It speaks to the lost. Hopefully it speaks to you in those times when you feel like you've lost your way. If you want to join in singing this one, you can. It'll be quite unfamiliar to you, but... Please feel free to join and sing as you get to know it. In our lives, we wander in the darkness. So easily we turn and lose our way. So often we choose the wrong direction And we stumble, trip, fall down every day But your arms are strong, your heart is always seeking To pick us up and lead us through the haze Your love will never, ever, ever leave us God, the life that is 
lies were thrown into destruction With empty lies confusing right and wrong The king of lies convinces and seduces In our weakness we forget where we belong But your arms are strong, your heart is always seeking Pick us up and lead us through the haze Your love will never, ever, ever leave us Your guiding light will never leave us You are the way, you're always there to guide us You are the truth, your word will never fail Life, and death can never hold us. You are our God. In this life, death is always certain. It may only take a moment to arrive. We know we must all face the final curtain Through times of grief it's so hard to survive But your arms are strong Your heart is always seeking To pick us up and lead us through the haze Your love will never ever ever leave us This is the tale of Messy Meg. It's a parable because this didn't really happen. Here's the story. You all know a Messy Meg in your life, don't you? About nine months old, sitting in the high chair, having lovely fun with the food, making a mess of herself. Her mum comes up to her and says, Hey Meg, I've got to go shopping. But while I'm gone, can you make sure you clean up yourself? Wipe your face, 
can you clean your high chair? And if I'm not back yet, can you do the dishes? There's still last night's dishes on the sink. And oh, can you sweep the floor, polish the floor? And ah, there's a load of washing. Can you get that in the washing machine and get that started? By then I'll be home. You can help me unpack the, the, the shopping and we can hang out the washing together. You're looking at me like I'm an idiot, aren't you? What an absurd story. The question, children, why can't Messy Meg do that? Because she's a baby. Babies are so lucky, aren't they? They don't have all those responsibilities. But Meg can't do it. Think about yourself. We have grime. We have a mess over us. Through our sin, through our failings. No matter how hard we try. We can't clean ourselves. That's why God sent Jesus. That's what the sacrifice of Jesus is all about. We are not able to clean ourselves. God sent Jesus. Through his blood we are cleansed and we can face God as pure and clean people. Can you see yourself in this parable? We all fail in our lives. We all lose our way at times. But we know God is there through Jesus to forgive us if we come to him. And he'll clean us up. Every last little morsel, every last little bit of grime is cleaned up through the blood of Jesus. Before we sing our next song, I want to just read this. Romans 8, 1 to 3 says, There is no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. We aren't saved from sin's grasp by knowing the commandments of God. And note this, because we can't and don't keep them. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful, and destroyed sin's control over us by giving himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Would you all stand now as we sing a song you all know? Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Now we come to the third parable in the trio of lost parables. And I've asked Merv if you'll read that one for us. Thanks, Merv. From Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. 
He no longer he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you." I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, they replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because of him. He has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So can you see yourself in this parable? There are times in everyone's life where we lose our way. And God is there to just take us back. No matter where we've been or where we've gone or what we've done. I want to talk a bit more about the parable in a minute. But children, while we've been carrying on with the service, the kids have been doing, can you see yourself in the parable and what's the bold message that comes through these three parables of Jesus that we've read today. What do they tell us about Jesus? Three things. His passion for humanity. His love for mankind. His unbridled determination and willingness to give everything to complete what he came to do. His joy and celebration 
at finding every lost person and welcoming them with open arms into his kingdom. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. And Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And this passage is especially important because it shows what Jesus had to do to make this all happen. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Remain seated. I'm going to sing another song now that I've written that portrays that message of that last Bible passage in particular. I wrote this song just before Christmas one year when I thought, how incredible that God made the choice to come to earth to save his people. What an incredible choice. If you feel confident to join me in the choruses of this song, please do. Otherwise, just meditate on the words and let it connect you to God. We normally have a confession early in a church service, but I decided today, with the flow of things, now would be a good time to face the truth about ourselves and to talk to God and ask his forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. It's a pretty simple formula, isn't it? Confess your sins. That's what we're going to do now. Heavenly Father, we confess that our lives have not always reflected who we are in Christ. We have sinned against you and each other through what we have thought, said and done. We have not loved you above everything else in our lives. We have hurt others through our own selfish attitudes, words and actions. And there are many good things that we have failed to do. Let's continue. Lord, without you we are like lost sheep, but we know that you, the good shepherd, desperately seek all those who are lost. We know that you died on the cross to save us and you promised to forgive us for our sins and failings. Lord, have mercy on us because of Jesus' death for us. Please forgive us all our sins. Renew us by the power and presence of our risen Lord and pour out your Holy Spirit on each one of us so that we can live as your people and reflect your love to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Hear the good news, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our gracious God faithfully hears the cries of his people and holds each of us in his arms. Through the sacrifice of his own son, Jesus, our relationship with God the Father has been restored and we receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. In the powerful name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And everyone say, Amen. I think it's time to celebrate with a wonderful song. A song called This Is Amazing Grace. One you know, would you all stand as we sing? In a moment we're going to pray. But before we do, I've got these gems from the Word of God that just help us to pray with meaning. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And in 1 John 5, 14, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him.